We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and we need to discuss UConn's 62-48 to 48 win over Creighton. The number one UConn Huskies knocked off the number 18 team uh, in America in what was uh, relatively easy fashion in terms of the way that that kind of played out. UConn uh, extended their lead to double digits by the end of the first half. It was 20 with 10 minutes left in the second half, and uh, UConn ended up holding on to win by 14 points. Tristan Newton got it going a little bit early and, and kind of set the tone. Um, he finished uh, six for 15 from the floor, um, you know, 16 points, five assists, eight rebounds, a uh, a typical Tristan Newton performance when it comes down to it. I thought Cam Spencer was really good early on. He started missing some of the jumpers that he was able to kind of dribble his way into late in the half. And, and you know, I know Steph Castle hit a three, but I thought that he, uh, his limitations offensively were on display here. And there's a couple of reasons why, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, what I want to start off with is this. Donovan Klingon is back. He played 17 minutes tonight. He finished with six points. He finished with five boards. He had a couple assists. He had a couple blocks. Um, he looked a little bit rusty. He missed a couple of lefty jump hooks over uh, Kalkbrenner that you would probably uh, bet on him to make. He didn't get to the free throw line, which is something that you probably want to see him do. But he was out there. He was big. He was the great wall of Bristol. He was Kling Kong. And he... Uh, looked like the guy that UConn had been missing. And I think that where that stood out more than anything else was on the defensive end of the floor. Um, the first 10 minutes of the second half were as good as I've ever seen UConn defend in this uh, iteration of the, the, the program. The last 10 minutes of the first half were up at that same level. Um, the, the perimeter ball pressure, the aggressiveness, the... Uh, the ability to switch when needed when not running a switching defense. Uh, but more than anything else, what stood out to me, what, what what I thought was really, really impressive was the ability of UConn's defense to switch between a hard hedge on ball screens and dribble handoffs and, and, and actions like that 
when Samson Johnson was on the floor and the ability to play drop coverage when Donovan Klingon was on the floor. Uh, that is what UConn did last season with Adama Sanogo out there. And I, it was more pronounced tonight with Samson in the hard hedges than I remember. I probably have to go back and, and really look at it in some of the other games that they play without Klingon, but it was much more pronounced. And I, I think it was probably a game plan, game plan to be more aggressive against Creighton's ball handlers coming off of those screens. Cause those guys do lack a little bit of athleticism and, and especially um, Steven Ashworth lack a little bit of size. Uh, I think, and I'm going to talk about this later on. You're going to hear audio from uh, the episode of After Dark that I filmed tonight with Jeff Goodman and with Doug Gottlieb. And we spent about 15 minutes at the open talking about UConn's win over Creighton and the Big East overall. Um, so I will drop that audio in here at the end so that you guys can kind of get a feel for how that conversation went. Um, and we talked a little bit more about this and a little bit more at length about it. But um, I think that what UConn's game plan basically was is that they're not going to let Creighton get what they want out of running their sets. They're going to blow up those ball screens by hard hedging and basically trapping the uh, the ball handler and cutting off the pass to the sideline, cutting off, uh, making sure that you have a tagger there, which means a weak side guy, cutting off the roll man um, and preventing the swing back to the middle and basically saying, look, if you can uh, throw a pass to the opposite side corner, and find a shooter over there, then that's the shot that we're going to allow you to uh, get and allow you to give up. And that was when Samson Johnson was on the floor. When Donovan Klingon was on the floor, they played a typical drop where uh, the the perimeter players are staying with the shooters. You're allowing Klingon to kind of play two-on-one and zone up in the middle, and you are relying on the point guard coming over the screen to be able to get back into position to prevent um, an open look or an open drive. Um, and Kling is very good at playing drop, and he was very good uh, within the team playing drop, and they were just as good hard hedging with Samson Johnson out there. And there's two reasons why I think that is effective. One, it's very, very difficult for a defense to be able to be as drilled as UConn was in those two different pick-and-roll schemes because it's two completely different coverages and two completely different things that you have to do off the ball. And there weren't that many situations where you can watch it and you can say, look, they messed that up. Look, they missed the rotation there. Look, Steph Castle was supposed to be here, but he was here. Uh, Alex Caravan was supposed to be tagging this guy, and he wasn't there. Um, I, I don't – there was nothing that stood out to me watching that game that made me say, okay, they missed the rotation here. They missed the tag here. And the other part of it is that – you are forcing the team that you are playing to have to prepare for two completely different ball screen coverages, and it, it requires a different game plan to be able to do that. So the ability of UConn's guys to be as connected, as communicative, uh, as good um, on defense and switching and doing all of the different things uh, that make you a good defender that goes beyond the simple ability to sit in the stance and stay in front of the fastest guys in college basketball – um, that was so incredibly impressive, and that was such good coaching and such good preparation. And it's one of those things where you kind of forget the impact that having the seven foot three dude out there can do for what UConn is defensively. There's a reason why they were outside. I think it was like one eleven nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency according to Torvik in the games that uh, Klingon missed. If you include Seton Hall in that mix, and it's why they're probably a top eight or nine defense in America and adjusted defensive efficiency in the games when Klingon does play. 
Um, very, very, very impressive. And that's something that I think will, uh, will carry them. And it gives them, I mentioned this before when Klingon was on the floor, but that, that ability to guard gives them such a high floor for what this team can be. And when you combine that with the fact that they have, uh, an offense that is capable of putting up 80 or 90 points, um, when you combine that with the fact that they can give you those two different looks defensively, and when you combine all that with the fact that, oh, by the way, uh, they have this uh, this wild card in their back pocket, the small ball lineup with Alex Caravan at the five, it makes UConn very, very dangerous because they can give you three completely different looks, all of which have proven to be very successful at the Big East level. So I don't think I can say enough about uh, how impressive that defensive game plan was and just how damn good they were in that like 20 minute segment between the midway point of the first half to the midway point of the second half it's just that's as good of a defensive performance as i can remember seeing uconn put together for 40 minutes since hurley has gotten this thing rolling again really 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 good and it's just so good to see clinging back and, and impacting a game like that um and i mentioned this in the last pod where i kind of previewed this week of games but you got villanova on the road on Saturday, and then you got eight days off to allow the big fella to kind of find a way to get back in shape. So you're getting, you're knocking some of the rust off this week. You're letting him get some some game minutes into his legs. You're letting him kind of uh, figure out how to get back up to speed and, and and what it's like playing Big East level basketball again. And then you're going to give him eight days where he can kind of get back into shape to be able to give you uh, 25 to 28 minutes as opposed to 15 to 16 minutes. Um, hopefully that comes without the wear and tear on his foot and hopefully he's able to stay healthy for the rest of the year. But man, it's such a game changer having him out there and, and having him, uh, healthy again. And I don't think enough can be said of that. Um, I think the most impressive part about this win is what we've seen the last five games is UConn basically win games with their offense and, and basically win games because they're going to try to put up 88 points on a given night. And then you come around and you're playing a home game in a loud and rocking Gamble Pavilion. Uh, the $2 bill night, beer night, the whiteout, all of that stuff worked. It was awesome to see. Um, and I know Hurley kind of thanked everybody after the game and, and deservedly so. The, the, the best part about college basketball is the environments. The hardest thing to do is to go on the road and win. And when you can build your home court into an absolute fortress, that's how you build a dynasty. Ask Kansas. They figured that out a long time ago. Ask Duke. They figured that out a long time ago as well. Um, I don't know if Gamble is quite on that level yet, but uh, it is a very difficult to pl- place to play. Um, when you got eleven or 12,000 or whatever it was that was in there tonight, absolutely rocking absolutely hammered and just loving the idea that it is nine degrees outside and we can go inside and watch UConn beat up on a Creighton basketball team like they did tonight um but I you know I do want to touch a little bit on on the offensive side of the ball because to me the most impressive part and I kind of hinted at this a little bit is that they were so good defensively that it didn't matter that that Creighton pretty much had the perfect game plan to kind of slow UConn down um they did not guard Steph Castle outside of like nine feet they they Andre Jackson him and they did not guard Samson Johnson outside of like nine feet uh and they didn't really do it to, to Donovan Klingon either and what that kind of did was bog down a lot of the movement that UConn would get uh, into the paint and into the lane. 
Um, and it kind of prevented them from being able to get a lot of the, the, the curling actions and the stuff going to the run that you would normally expect. Um, but it didn't really matter because, uh, well, two things, one, Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer did enough early to get them going. Tristan hit a couple of threes. And I think Cam Spencer had that run where he scored like, I think it was nine straight points in the middle of the first half. Um, I thought that they were both early on really good against the drop. Uh, the, what you kind of are living with against drop coverage is um, you're coming off those ball screens. You got somebody on your back, you put them in jail and you kind of are settling for those little 12-foot jumpers over a seven-footer. Cam Spencer and, and Tristan Newton, I think both hit two of them early on in this game. Um, and then once UConn was up by like 20, uh, they missed a couple late. So it would be nice to see them get going a little bit again. But, you know, once you got that lead, it kind of is what it is. And, and there's a reason why Creighton is a top six defense in America, despite the fact that they – are one of the that they are the worst team in college basketball at forcing turnovers defensively. Um, they're very sound, they're very smart, they're very well coached, and they understand. I mean, look, they're UConn light, right? Like they have a bunch of guys that uh, are going to try to keep you from being able to run your stuff and will gamble and try to run you off the three point line and dare you to go challenge their big fella at the rim. And uh, it worked better for UConn tonight than it did for Creighton. And, and look, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention just how aggressive they were on the offensive glass. Um, the thing that stood out just so much on the offensive end of the floor was how often UConn was the team that was getting to the loose balls and winning the 50-50 balls, whether that meant coming up with the possession or gra and grabbing it themselves or finding a way to get it to go out of bounds off of Creighton. A lot of that stuff uh, matters a lot of that stuff gets you extra possessions. Uh, the, all of those situations allow you to have another chance to to get a shot up at the rim. And when you're only shooting 35% from the floor, and I, I think we'll be five for 19 from three, um, you're going to need as many opportunities as you can get. So uh, very much a, what's the best way to phrase it? A program win? A, a I don't know if, it's, uh, if a statement win is the right way to phrase it, but it's one of those wins where, um, UConn went all the way in on who their identity is as a team and as a program, and they won that way because of what – it's an identity win. That's probably the best way to phrase it. So uh, really, really impressive stuff. And I'm at the point now where I, I, I feel comfortable saying that I think that this is probably the best team in college basketball right now. I think that when you can see what they can do defensively, the way that they can give you different looks, the way that they can mix and match the lineup, um, the way that they have multiple guards that can play in ball screens and beat you off the dribble, the way that Cam Spencer has been shooting, the way that Alex Carabin has been shooting in uh, in, in Biggie's play and what he's been, um, you know, the the slow and steady emergence of. Uh, a guy like Jalen Stewart, who again gave some some pretty decent minutes tonight in in terms of what he was asked to do. Um, it's a very good place to be right now if you are UConn. I think that they are at this point the the clear favorite to win the Big East regular season title. I love I love the Seton Hall group. I love them. I think Kadari Witchin is so much fun to watch, and I love the way that Shaheen Holloway builds programs. Um, but I do think that. Uh, being physical and having bigger guards than people is something that will uh, 
get you to a certain level, but I don't think it's the kind of thing that's going to get you to a Vegas regular season championship. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens when UConn plays at Villanova on Saturday, again, because of what they do with the switching uh, defenses and all that. It'll be uh, interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Uh, Villanova really struggled with ball screen stuff against Marquette. And uh, one thing that UConn does well is get people into those ball screening kind of actions, whether it's an actual ball screen, a dribble handoff, somebody running off of a curl and, and, and getting the ball with clinging roll into the rim and a guy replacing up at the top, whatever it is, UConn runs a lot of those actions to be able to create situations where you got Tristan Newton going downhill to his right hand and, and the rim runner going down the lane on the other side. So um, I think you UConn probably should be able to win that. And if they do, we're, we're, we're going to have to start getting to the point where we have that conversation, but um, I'm excited about where this group is heading. I'm excited about what they can be with Donovan Klingon back. I'm excited about the top dogs looking like the fucking top dogs again. And it's just, it's, it's fun to be a UConn fan. And I, I know I kind of uh, beat that drum a lot. And I talk about that a lot, but the entire reason that you are a, a fan of sports teams and, and why you follow this is because of the enjoyment that it brings to your life, right? Because of the enjoyment that you get watching the game because of, uh, you know, I have a, an eight year old son and a four year old daughter and, and hearing them get excited when I put on Fox sports one and they hear the music and it's like, is that a Yukon game that's on to, to hear my daughter get all fired up. Um, when I tell her that John Fanta is calling the games to, uh, to let my son, we, we watched the game. Um, uh, he had a basketball game tonight, so I coached his basketball game that started at seven. We're driving home at eight fifteen, and I put the phone, on, the the game on my phone, uh, in the car on the drive home. And it took him literally five seconds to hear the broadcaster say something. And say, "Oh, John Fanta, he's the announcer for the game." It, it's awesome when that stuff happens. It's awesome when uh, you are able to get enjoyment out of the teams that you you love and the teams that you support. And uh, it's awesome when you're able to get this much pleasure out of just watching them play because they play a style of basketball that you enjoy viewing. And, you know, winning winning matters and winning helps all that and being really good and being number one and being the reigning national champions. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that's not something that impacts the way that you feel about uh, the team that you are uh, a fan of. But uh, it certainly does help when the guys on the roster are easy to root for and super likable and they play this certain style and they they play like they care for the program as much as we care about the program. And uh, it's it's just it's a great time. To, I'm sorry to get all sentimental, but it's just a great time to be a UConn fan. And I just I'm having so much fun uh, watching this group and breaking down this group and, and uh, digging into the nuts and bolts of what the staff is doing and why they're doing it and. Uh, yeah, I love it, man. Um, oh, one last thing I wanted to touch on now that I, uh, I I've reminded myself about it. Uh, Goodman made a point on the uh, on After Dark, which we'll get to here in a second, that the UConn staff, the the credit they deserve for being able to get the right players in the right situations. And I've said this before, but uh, maybe in the offseason, I'll go through and, and and do a study on just to see like, who, which, which coaching staffs are the best when it comes to identifying talent and have the highest hit rate? Because I can't imagine there are too many that have a higher hit rate in terms of the players that they bring into the program 
um, living up to the uh, what is expected of a player coming into a program like a UConn. I don't know how many of them have a higher hit rate than UConn does. And and that to me, nothing more than that stands out more than just the ability of Cam Spencer to step in and, and be as good as he's been. You know, I know, I know that if you look at, I mentioned this stat the other day that Evan Maya, Evan Mayakawa, who runs evanmaya.com, um, put out a stat that kind of said it was about Kansas and said that Kansas, their, their fifth man was the 64th best fifth, fifth man in college basketball. Uh, and Cam Spencer was the best fifth man in the sports. Cam Spencer, according to Evans uh, numbers is the 36th best player in college basketball. And he is the fifth best player on UConn. So UConn has five of the top 36 players in the entire country on their roster. Um, but I, the more I watch it, man, I, the more I think that Cam, like, I understand that that Tristan Newton is the guy that's going to get the All-American accolades because he's averaging 14-6-6, six, and six, because he had that game at Kansas, because he was the guy that was the uh, the best player on the floor of the national title game last season, right? He's Tristan Newton. He's He's been very, 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 very good. And I don't want to take anything away from her today, anything other than that. But... Camp Spencer, to me, is at minimum having like an all-Big East caliber season. I know Alex Caravan is really good, and I understand that that Steph Castle has kind of like figured things out and he's coming together, and and it all – none of it works without the presence of the Great Wall of Bristol there at the five spot, um, kind of cleaning everything up. But Camp Spencer is UConn's leading scorer. Uh, he's averaging four and a half rebounds a game. He's averaging three and a half assists per game. He's averaging a steal on a half per game. He's shooting 46% from three uh, while taking nearly five, three or nearly six threes per game. Um, he has been unbelievable, unbelievably efficient. He's not a great defender, but for the most part, he tends to be in the right spot. Um, he's not a great athlete, but he can get to the rim when he needs to. Uh, he's not a point guard, but you can run him off of ball screens he's just he is such an incredibly good basketball player and UConn would absolutely not be where they are right now without him um I I don't think that he's going to overtake Tristan Newton when it comes to the all-american conversation for a UConn player but he is not that far away and it's just he's one of those guys where um imagining where UConn would be if uh, he was not on the roster is not something that I want to do. So shout out to Kim Spencer, shout out to Alex Caravan for finding a way to, to get his shooting stroke, right? Shout out to Tristan Newton for um, having a really, really solid game and, and making a couple shots. Hopefully that'll get his confidence back and get him rolling again. Shout out to Donovan Klingon for getting back and getting healthy and pushing himself and being able to come out there and contribute. And, you know, Steph Castle made a three tonight. Let's make a couple more of those buddy. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado, let's let's dive into that conversation. Doug Gottlieb, Jeff Goodman, and myself from After Dark. 16 and 2, 6 and 1 of the Big East. Dare to dream. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. 
Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68. After dark, we are live here on Stadium. We are live on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jeff Goodman with me, who is hammering yet another beer after he finally figured out how to be able to turn on his microphone. Yes, that happened. We'll talk about that at some point, maybe in the last call. And I have Doug Gottlieb here with me, uh, fresh off the West Coast. Doug, what's going on, man? It's good to see you. Goodman, never all that great to see you. We got a lot to talk about today, guys. The SEC headliners were in action. Auburn. Oh, will you stop. Stop. Stop with the SEC. Stop with the SEC. Look look at the smile on his face. Yeah, let me see his face. I got a whole play in here, Doug. I got a whole play in here. So Houston beat the break <laughs> off of Texas Tech in the Fertitta Center. They're up by 23 right now as that game goes final. We got to get into the Big 12, Doug. I want to hear your takes on that conference as a whole. Can the Big 12 get 11 teams into the dance? And there were a bunch of teams that took some ugly losses tonight. I'm not sure if there was one worse than Texas blowing a 12-point halftime lead on their own floor. But, guys, number one team in the country at home. Old Creighton to 48 points. Goodman, I know it kills you. I know you hate to see other people happy when their team <laughs> wins. And I know, no, I, I know it drives you insane because these no. UConn fans, Mr. Hotballs, you're not a big fan of him. Uh, but the Huskies, <laughs> I, I, look, I'll, I, have, I have my takes on this game, and I have my opinions on this game. And I'm going to wait and let you guys say what you got to say first. But uh, I thought that was a very, very impressive performance, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Goodman. UConn, 62, Creighton, 48. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Man, they're, they're effing good. I, I I hate to have you on this show. I mean, that's the only thing. <laughs> if it was like me, Doug, and anybody else, it, it would be an awesome show tonight. But because I have to say good things, I'm just going to look at Doug as I say all the good things about the UConn Huskies. I, I love this team. I mean, I do. I love this team because they play the right way. They play hard as shit. They're well-coached. They're, they're mentally tough and they're physically tough. And, and now you're bringing in Donovan Klingon into the fold. And, you know, he played about 15 minutes tonight. Um, and he's diving on the floor, like literally, like laying. And every time he falls to the floor, I'm like, oh, man. And, and his, his legs are going everywhere. His foot's falling in, in kind of a weird spot. And I'm like, no, do not dive. Just honestly, just protect yourself. But uh, this team – they might be the front runners to, to win the whole thing. Like they might be a quarter of a step above Purdue when I look at them and I say, if they have a healthy Donovan Klingon, and, and that's going to be the key to me, Danny Hurley, getting him back in shape, but protecting him so he's healthy when it matters most. Doug, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I knew you had that shit and you grin on your face, but you wanted to talk about Doster and you should, uh, First thing is, you know, Danny took to Twitter to thank Ample. That was awesome, that atmosphere. And it's kind of a cool thing when you get the snowstorm in the Northeast where, you know, and this is why having an on-campus facility and college basketball is special because even when no one else can get there, the students can get there, you know. And they were camping out and it was like 17 degrees. So obviously it helps when you want a national championship. But uh, that play, I don't think – that was a hard place to win for a lot of people tonight. And they weren't – UConn wasn't great offensively. Castle didn't play great offensively, but they just, like, Creighton's a hard team to guard because they, they usually put three to four out there that can really score. 
and I thought they did a great job of running them off the line and pressuring them six for 26 from three. I mean, that, that's how you beat Creighton. And, and, you know, Creighton didn't shoot good from two, do, shouldn't do well, shoot well from two either. So I thought their defense was championship level. I thought the crowd was championship level. And, you know, this feels, I know the second Butler team didn't win the national title, but when we look back over like amazing stuff in college basketball, the fact that after losing Gordon Hayward, they went back to the national championship game, lost ironically to UConn, right? That's kind of the feel I get from this team, which is like, you know, they don't have a Jordan Hawkins. They, they, you don't have as much true offensive production as you had last year at the five because Klingon's been in and out of the lineup, but he's not as developed an offensive player. But this may be an equally good team, right? They're really a team. And being able to win a game in your 60s when you don't shoot well, and granted, I, I don't think Creighton's nearly what their preseason building would have told you, but that doesn't matter. This is about UConn. Consider me impressed. I mean, I'd, can you win a game in the mud? Lots of teams with talent can win games in the 80s and 90s. Can you win a game in the mud? And their answer is yes. That was a good win. Yeah, the, the thing that really impressed me, Doug, was the, the effort on the defensive end of the floor. The knock on this team, um, to me, is their ability to stop penetration uh, with guards that are able to get to the rim and get to the basket, right? Their ability to chase people off of screens. Cam Spencer, Tristan Newton, Alex Carabin, um, I think even solo ball you could put in that conversation are not great perimeter defenders. They're fine. They're good positionally. They know how to rotate and scramble and, and uh, follow a scouting report. But if you just got them isolated on an island, that's not what their strength is. Um, and sure. we saw that when they didn't have clinging on the floor. You know, they, they people get to the rim. You don't have the great wall of Bristol there erasing everything around the basket. And having him back certainly helped. But I thought their ability to run – Creighton out of what they wanted to run. Like they blew up every ball screen. Um, they were able to kind of take Creighton out of the sets. They were able to take him out of the shots that get created simply by Greg McDermott having a really creative uh, offensive mind. I thought that was impressive. And then the second thing is uh, it was more uh, probably the first time that they really did this this season that I can remember is they went with the extreme hard hedge with Samson Johnson on ball screens whenever he was in the game, right? And they just doubled the ball handler. They got the tagger where he needed to be. They, they cut off that pass to the, to the sideline, and they basically just said, you can make that pass to the opposite side quarter with two athletic dudes in your face. Great. you got to open three if you can make that happen. And then they played drop with Donovan Klingon. And I thought what made them such a difficult matchup last year was that they could guard you two different ways defensively in ball screens and were elite at both of them when, with the Damasinogo – edging hard and Donovan Klingon playing drop. And I think for the most part, they tried to get away playing drop with Samson Johnson. It just didn't work as well. So I, I'm very curious to see where this trend moves forward for UConn. I thought that that was the, the most promising sign. And look, well, they're going to guard. Listen, somebody brought up there, like, I don't know if people, and I think obviously this show is different than your average college basketball show, your average college basketball podcast, but to have, different ball screen coverages based upon your mm -hmm. personnel is really advanced stuff. And, and this is where losing Klingon for a short period of time helps you because it develops, because there's going to be a time in the NCAA tournament where he's going to have two or 3000 the first half and you're going to have to play without him. And now they've shown they can play without him for games and they can change how they want to cover a ball screen. And that takes really smart, connected players and look, I agree with you in terms of guys, in terms of, you know, can Cam Spencer defend that, defend the ball? Probably not, not his strength, 
but now you have two different types of bigs behind you. And obviously when you have Klingon, like, and, and look, like Creighton's not the hardest to defend. If you, it, it takes athletic. toughness and no, they have, they have one guy on that team that can break down a defense. That's Trey Alexander, right? That's the flaw of this team. Mm-hmm. They kind of throw four out there that can really play and they're struggling to find a fifth guy. And of those four, really only one can break down a defense. Um, but, but again, like I just I can't emphasize enough what you said there, Rob, which is accurate, which is they're operating with two different ball screen coverages based upon personnel. And while that seems super easy to us to sit here and go like, all right, well, when you got clinging in there, you're going to the drop. When you don't, you're going to a hard hedge. Like, okay, but it all has to work together. And one that's really hard with young players. It's rare to be elite at both of them too. Like that's the thing. The teams normally drill – one style of defending a ball screen to be elite at both of them. That to me, that's the thing that stands out. It's not even what the offense is doing. It's just it's it's difficult to be able to have your players capable of doing those two things. And and I mean to me, right? That's right. It, it's, it's, it's but you haven't had cling for yes. most of the year. That's the impressive part. You haven't practiced right, with but them but here's or had them for a lot of it. But but remember, Jeff, what Rob's talking about is it's not we we have a tendency. Okay, to just look at big guy and point guard, and that's all ball screen coverage matters. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? If you're hard hedging, now all of a sudden, you know, somebody's got to be, you know, some, somebody's got to be tagging the roller. And then you have usually based upon what bit your numbers on the weak side are, you know, who am I going to get? Whereas when you're playing in the drop, now you're staying home most of the time, you know, you're, you're maybe getting a foot in the lane. So, Everything is affected based upon how that big guy is playing. And it affects how the point guard guards the ball and, and everything else. So it's really impressive to see a team that connected and have the ability to play multiple defensive styles in the same game. That's very rare in college basketball. All right, Goodman, I want to go to you just kind of big picture stuff when it comes to the Big East. Because when we came into this season, it was – basically UConn, Marquette, and Creighton, and then kind of everybody else. And it was like, well, we'll see. We think there's a chance with St. John's. We think there's a chance with Providence. We think Villanova's got the pieces if they can kind of figure that stuff out. Xavier's got Sean Miller. You know, Butler's got Thad Mata. And now we're sitting here and it's like, okay, is Seton Hall for real? And then is there anybody else that can actually make noise here? What do you make of the top of the Big East and what do you make of where this conference is at this point in time? I mean, I think it is UConn and then not everybody else, but a bunch of other teams that honestly aren't separating themselves. I still have faith that Marquette can turn into that number two team, you know, that team that at least can make a run to like Sweet 16, Elite Eight, but their margin for error isn't nearly what we may have thought it was going into the season. I'm not saying they're a three-man team, but they're kind of a three-man team at times, and they need Oso to be – what he was last game because it takes some of the pressure off of Kolick and Cam Jones uh, to have to do everything. Um, you know, Seton Hall, listen, they've shocked me. They, I think they've shocked everybody other than maybe Shaheen. Uh, I, I don't know if I trust them to, to sustain this and be a team that can do some damage in the NCAA tournament. Sometimes, again, you peak at the wrong time. And, and I'm afraid that that's going to be Seton Hall at the end of the day, that they're kind of peaking at the wrong time here. And they come down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, Creighton, I, I don't know, guys. I just, again, I know this is Doug's boy, Ashworth, and I love him as a kid. 
I just think he's better suited for the Mountain West than he is for for the Big East, period. And, and especially with that team. With that team, I just don't think he fits. I, you know what I, it is? Listen, I, I, listen I, I, I agree with you, okay? I mean, you know, I, I, I counseled him a little bit on where he was looking at. And, you know, his thing was like, hey, I want to play point guard. I want to show I can guard point guards. I want to show you, right? And like, okay, you know, like I, I, I would have liked a right. team. And I think he could have, I think he can. And he's, he's a good player. I mean, he's still, he had 15 tonight. Like, I mean, he can really, really shoot. But um, uh, Northwestern, by the way, just held on to beat Maryland. Um, Jameer Young had a heck of a game, but did not score in that, on that last bucket. So missed a shot and, and they end up losing. But um, uh, but I would generally, I, if they had one more athletic ball handling guard, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think some of it is level, Jeff. That's fair. Okay, because, I mean, like, look, there's, there's, there's just different levels. And I understand what you're sitting at home, you're like, wait a second, the Mountain West might get five or six teams in. It's a really good league. It is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was playing the two, really, when he was in the Mountain West, too. He wasn't necessarily playing the point. And, but, yeah, most of those Mountain West teams have two small guards. So uh, there's just a different level of overall athleticism. Uh, actually, the game's not you over 3.6 seconds. So, you know, you know what Creighton needs? If Trey Alexander was like 10% more athletic, where you could be able to rely on him to be able to get a paint touch against anybody that was defending him, right? Like that's my biggest thing is that they need to kind of scheme everything to be able to get shots. If you look at UConn and look at Creighton, like the rosters really aren't all that different in terms of the way they're built. They got the big rim protecting center. They got a bunch of guys in the perimeter that are good positional defenders. They funnel everything into the big fella on defense. They run a lot or a lot of like elaborate offensive sets to try to scheme threes and scheme ways to be able to get cling and roll into the rim. They're not all that different. To me, the difference is UConn's got a guy in Steph Castle where if you need a paint touch, and you want to let someone go one on one? He can kind of go make that stuff happen. And well, he's he's a, he's a, he's think... a high major level athlete. That that he's a high major yeah. level point guard. He's only a freshman. That that's like that's his fatal flaw, if you will. But I, I would also tell but you, UConn's like, look, we can put it. UConn's pieces. Yeah, I mean, like, like look, Ma- Mason. But part of it is Doug, you, you and I, Mason Miller. You and I talked about. Look, I think Mason Miller in I, two years. Mason Miller in two years will be good enough. I, sure. I I don't think you're not getting you're literally not getting anything there. Okay. Hey, give, you're, you're not, give, you got nothing there say. tonight. Before we go to break, listen, give UConn's assistant coaches and staff a ton of credit because what they've done is not just throw together a bunch of really good players. They've thrown together a bunch of really good players that fit well together and play off each other well. That's yes. what they've done. Yeah, now listen, now listen, you, you part of it is uh, talent, talent uh, eval, but some of it is also talent acquisition, and some sure. of that comes down to money, yeah. right? Again, Creighton has and money, luck. and and luck, and luck, and look, everybody wants to be part of a winner, right? Everybody wants to be part of a winner. Creighton capitalizes on the fact that one, they they got some good nil, great following, but everybody wants to shoot threes. That's what that's what they do. Um, yeah, the one thing look, I will say I, if to that: had, if, uh, if this team had Kaluma, they could win the Big East. There are guys short. A little bit of a different story. Yep, and and the one thing that I will say is sometimes not having all the money in the world isn't necessarily the worst thing because if UConn did, 
they'd have Nick Timberlake instead of Cam Spencer right now. Listen, when we get back, we got to talk about Kentucky. We got to talk about Auburn. We got to talk about Tennessee. The top of the SEC is a lot of fun and really good. I'll tell you who the best team is. 